Welcome to the Navigating Dental Insurance Podcast, where we don't take from insurance companies. Here are your hosts, Mr. Jordan Comstock and Mr. Ben Tuine. All right. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Say No to PPO series on the Navigating Dental Insurance Podcast. I am your co-host today, Jordan Comstock. I got on the line with me, Ben Tuine. Ben, what's up, man? Hey, Jordan. Man, busy day. <laughs> Today's my son's birthday. Uh, for nice. those of you that happy are listening, birthday. it's yeah, happy birthday to Little Welton. It's uh, yeah. it's November 16th. Yesterday was my wife's birthday, and uh, last week was Saturday was my father-in-law's birthday. Holy so smokes. The, the great thing about birthdays is that uh, I get to buy food that uh, I want to eat, that I know that like, last night we had this uh, <clears throat> uh, low country boil, <clears throat> and I went to Costco and got, I, I cleared them out of all of the king crab that they had and uh, all of the jumbo <laughs> shrimp and it was. Dude, and you didn't even call me. I'm sorry, dude. I mean, you've come over later today, but uh, man, our house. Leftovers, huh? Leftovers. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I, I slept like a king last night. You know, it was just crazy. And then awesome. next door, remember that field that I talked about? I mean, you've been to my yeah. house. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're digging the flipping ground i was i, I started uh-uh, looking dude, at it and thought son of a <laughs> you know <clears throat> it just pissed me off you know that anyway my wife um she's from she, she's from savannah george she's like a she is a bulldog in you know <laughs> yep, georgia yep, bulldog yep. but she called the city and just started chewing people <laughs> out because they had people <clears throat> big trucks up and down the street no notice whatsoever that they're going to start the construction uh, ended up contacting the developer and put our name down for the the three lots that are just next to us. <laughs> so, you know, I'm I'm sure she's yeah. gonna force me to buy three of them. But uh, just a she quick update there. I know, I know. <laughs> That's but, funny, dude. Anyway, no, speaking about Georgia, we got some Georgia guys on the line today. Is that right, Jordan? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we have we have Davey Clay and uh, Josh Smith. Both of them are uh, partners and and owners in dentalclaimsupport.com, uh, a service that we think is much needed in the industry. Davey and Josh, how are you guys doing today? Great, Jordan. Uh, appreciate you guys having us on today. Hey, how are yeah. you doing, Jordan and Ben? We appreciate it. Hey, it's yeah. our pleasure. You know, I love yeah. I love the southern accent that you guys are pulling on there, and I'm looking at your website, and you have you have nine one two phone numbers. So are you are you in the Savannah Augusta area? We are in Savannah. It's our, our hometown. No uh, way. Our Georgia Bulldogs <laughs> did lose last weekend. Oh we were, man, we did lose last weekend. You we know, always had to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what really ticked me off is that I'm looking at the college rankings right now. The so on the AP polls are number seven. Well, on, on all, most of them, they're number seven, looks like, you know, oh, yeah. and, and good old Mark Richt is number two on the AP, AP poll yeah, in Miami, you, you know. You better believe we're looking at that. Uh, <laughs> ben, ben, that actually awesome. gets me to a point. Uh, in your podcast last week, you were talking to the AR Ninja, and you oh, yeah. used the term insurance bulldog, and uh, Josh and I have kind of taken that on. We are bulldogs, and we are insurance guys. Hey, so. yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's take that term one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to work on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to edit that yeah. one out. I don't want to embarrass myself in front of the uh, you know, Georgia that, Nation. Right there. No, you got to leave it, Ben. You got to leave it. It'll, All right. It'll be good. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, Savannah. My wife is from Savannah. We're down there. Uh, what what do they call that right there? The river. Um, river Street. River Street. 
Yeah, we yeah. go down there, and uh, they have some great seafood places there too. Uh, but love Savannah. That's uh, probably my number one town in the U.S. I just love going there every year. Except we love for it too. yeah, born and raised here, so it's a it's a good spot. Except Small for there's from there, from yeah. Here. There's one street uh, I was looking up um, on, oh, what's that food app? It used to be called Urban Spoon, and I think they changed the name. Oh, yeah. Zomato. Zomato. I was looking on that, and I found this restaurant that sold um, Low Country Boil. It was 20 bucks, but it was like five pounds worth of food. So I uh, called my father-in-law and said, hey, can you meet us at this address? And it was like on Martin Luther King something. He gets there. And I'm there already, and my wife is like, uh-uh, I am not getting out of this vehicle. It is, like, in the middle of the ghetto. <laughs> and, you know, my, my wife is Caucasian-American. She's Scottish um, Scottish redneck. I don't know exactly what you call her. Scottish, Scottish something. Scottish redneck. But she, she's <laughs> from the heart of Georgia. You know, she's a white American. Yeah. I pull yeah. up to this place, and I'm, I'm brown. I'm, I'm a big Samoan-looking guy. And, you know, I'm, I, I get there, and I feel like I'm at home, you know, in, in, in the heart of the ghetto. And she's like, uh-uh, I, when you get out, I am locking the door. So I did. And my father-in-law pulled up and the look on his face. He's like, you call us to this neighborhood? He's like, we're going to get lynched. <laughs> but, oh, boy. But uh, that <laughs> Let was... Let me guess now, but the Low Country Royal was delicious. It was. We, wow. My wife forced me to wrap it up. She's like, we're not sitting here. We're, we're going home. So we took it home. It was 20 bucks, and it was literally five pounds worth of food. Uh, too bad I can't go oh. back there. My wife told me I wasn't allowed to go back there because it it, she just, just didn't feel safe. But, but man, Georgia, I tell you, there's so many different pockets of, of, of places where you can buy good quality food for well, cheap, you know. We're certainly spoiled by the local yeah. bowls and the oyster roast and everything we have. Oh, that sounds amazing. Oh, oysters. <laughs> Oyster, oh man! Well, this weekend for the Georgia Kentucky game. Yeah. Quite <laughs> I hope I hope Georgia just comes and just completely demolishes Kentucky. Apologize to anybody in Kentucky that's listening, but uh. <laughs> yeah, 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 do that, do that. <laughs> yeah. So cool. So so guys, let's let's get right to it. And cut, can you tell our audience how you guys got into uh, just starting dental claim support? Sure, Jordan. Um, well, I was actually at the University of Georgia and was a risk management and insurance major. Uh, uh -huh. So I ended up going to grad school, and in the meantime, I needed a job. So the first job I received was a, at a dental office verifying insurance. And so uh, uh -huh. next thing you know, I was managing a practice and um, hired Josh here, under actually. And uh, so we worked for a group, and the group wanted to start a group billing practice or, or kind of a central billing location. So we headed that up and ran that. And what we what we found out, we had eight or nine offices at the time. And what we found out, the billing was being done. We had the, we, everybody had the same software, but yet the billing was being done differently in mm -hmm. all eight offices. So uh, we developed a system, came up with that, and um, really nailed down a, a way of collecting money from the insurance companies. So that's that's where we got started, and uh, we decided to go on our own and help uh, dentists around the country with with that. That's pretty neat. Super so cool. basically, what you did is you created a service. So like these large DSOs, they have a centralized billing location, and I have a a, a few clients that are large, well, large DSOs, primarily solo practitioners that that kind of own it, no private private equity. And the numbers that they show me on a per practice basis, every practice that comes and partners with them, 
it's quite amazing when they find um, efficiencies, especially when it comes to billing. Like, what are what are some of the things that you see? You said that you saw things were being different from practice to practice in terms of, of, of how they build. Can you elaborate on some of the examples that you're seeing that, that you saw back then? Absolutely. Uh, this is Josh now. Just every single practice, again, like David was saying, was it was being done differently. You had you had adjustments being done or being posted improperly. Um, uh, different office managers slash billing coordinators that didn't understand really what in-network meant versus out-of-network. Um, and I just remember looking at Davey, him looking at me, and we were like, we can kind of go out and do this our, our own because we knew if we were only in eight offices and we saw that, that the differentials in eight offices, what's going on in the hundreds of thousands of offices throughout the United States? Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, when, when we saw that it was being done, it was even it, – it wasn't just the posting aspect and, and adjustments and, you know, and making sure that fees were entered the right way. It was also clean research. We saw that was being done differently. Sometimes there wasn't even any research being done. It was just resubmitting a claim. And uh, the reason that claim didn't get paid in the first place is because something was wrong with it. So just resubmitting it's not going to do anything. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one thing that we kind of found ourselves on, and that's why we really we increased these numbers of, of every single office. I mean, in the eight offices that we had, a lot of them started out around the 85 to the 90 percentile, and honestly, that's not bad throughout the United States. It's usually around 91, but every single one of these offices ended up being at 99 to 100 percent when we were when 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 we were basically leaving uh, the group that we were working with. So, to Davy's point and to what he created, it uh it, it was a it was a standardized way of doing things, and I kind of followed suit, and I'm glad I got the opportunity to do it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it, is it pretty consistent in the, the billing policies for your, state by state? Meaning, do you, do you find that you learn you have to apply a different policy in a new state, like even for like a Delta Dental, or is it pretty much across the board? Everybody should be implementing the same billing practices. The the system that we run is pretty standard. The only difference will be the fee capping, uh, depending on which state the office is in, based on whether you can charge if a non-covered service is, is being charged. Uh, whether you can charge your UCR fee or you have to go by the PPO fee on a non-covered service. Um, so that's really the only thing that changes per state when it comes to our system. Now, as you know, there's Delta Dental for almost every state. There's, you know, different Blue Crosses. So what, what, what the difficulty of the insurance world is it's always changing. So every oh, yeah. policy is always changing. Every plan is different. So not one plan is like another or not one insurance company is like another. So their, their EOBs look different, uh, the checks look different, uh, the plans all look completely different. So what we have to do is, you know, we're always learning stuff on the go as well. Policies are always changing. Uh, employers are changing to United Concordia, Delta Dental, and MetLife, you know. So it's, it's always a constant grind of learning and evolving with, with the insurance companies and not allowing them to continue what they do and in installing payments. So that's our job. Uh, and that's what we do is kind of not argue with the insurance companies, but we're going to make sure that the dentist is getting paid for what they produce. Cool. Very if, cool. If you were to guess the, the common pitfalls for the average dental practice when it comes to billing, claims billing or claim support in general, um, yeah. what, would, what, what do you think are the top three issues, three things that maybe most practices just need to stop doing? Uh, number one would be, Data entry. Data entry is huge. Uh, we see this 
daily uh, in the many offices that we have. You know, we're all, all through the all the different states, and uh, it seems to be a common underlying issue. Uh, date of birth in, entered incorrectly, social security numbers entered incorrectly, ID numbers entered incorrectly. Um, so that's that's number one. Insurance verification is number two. Uh, not verifying the patients, you know, the, the patients don't necessarily know what they have and what they don't have. Uh, they think they have all, you know, they get two free cleanings a year. We know that's not true. You know, it, it costs money to get those cleanings. Um, but verifying that they actually have what they say they have. You know, don't take their word for it. I have Delta Dental, you know, which Delta Dental? You know, I need enough, you know, we need some verification done there as well. Uh, and then the other, the third thing is just that claim follow-up. And what, what we have found is that that's not being done consistently throughout the country, honestly. Um, that the, the, off, the office has a team in place or a person in place in their office. And maybe they're too busy doing other things. You know, as you all know, talking to insurance companies is not easy. It takes time. No. It takes you're sitting on hold nonstop. You know, your different websites and this and that. But um, you know, what we've developed is that system to where we're not relying on the insurance company to give us incorrect information. We're going through and making sure that we're not just going to resubmit a claim if they tell us it's not on file. We're going to find out, you know, why is it not on file? What can we do to get it paid sooner than later? You know. Uh, we're not going to let it go 30 days without getting a phone call asking, you know, why hasn't this been paid yet? What's going on with it? Do, can I appeal it? What do I need to do? So it's just those, those three things, though, are hindering offices from getting paid from the insurance companies. Awesome. Gotcha. Uh, thanks for the tips. Yeah. Um, I, I got a question for you guys. So how do you handle uh, denials? For instance, treatment, treatment was necessary, but in, insurance denies the claim. Appeal, appeal. Um, appeal, appeal. How do you yes, walk us through that? Going to literally, appeal anything and everything. All insurance companies work a little bit different with appeals. Some have different. Uh -huh. Some have to mail. Some you can e-claim. Some you can reference the old claim number with a new narrative. But you know what we always try to tell our dentists is, the more information, the better. If you know you're doing an intricate case, write down a very intricate note. Um, you know, kind of take advantage of that opportunity. Help your biller out in a sense. Um, you know, we're, we're in systems throughout the United States, therefore, a lot of times with our doctors that, you know, really take it seriously, we can copy and paste a narrative and kind of, you know, scoot it onto the insurance company. But in other cases, you know, you really need a detailed uh, breakdown as to what happened. And a lot of times, though, with, with some denials, they're just denying it to deny it. Um, I mean, I don't want to harp on insurance companies, but... You know, sometimes they, you know, that dental consultant might have gotten out of bed and, and just didn't feel good that morning. Therefore, he, he didn't want to process yeah. any claim. So, <laughs> no, so absolutely, have, yeah. You got to follow up on it and you just have to stay on top of it. And a lot, I would have to say that we've got around a 95% appeal deny, or uh, overturned appeals. Um, that's pretty cool. That's, that's awesome. It goes, you know, develop your templates, you know, make sure things work. You know, you have to, every case is treated differently, but, you know, stay on top of it. And there are certain things that can be appealed that people don't know about. Um, you know, you can have a uh, fixed partial denture downgraded to just a removable. Um, and when that happens, you know, office managers, billing coordinators, everybody needs to know, send in a basic narrative. Send in why that patient didn't want that removable. They'll need, they have to process that. I mean, yes, it's an alternate benefit, but it doesn't say anywhere in that patient's plan that they can't have a fixed partial denture. So, so send in an appeal, you'll get you another $1,000. Um, 
Um, you know, these are things we try to stress throughout the dental community. You know, we don't, we're coming on here to try to open up doors for new office managers, realize that there, there are ways you can kind of beat these insurance companies and, and just yeah. play the game. They're playing a the game with you. You got to play it back. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I read, um, oh gosh, uh, Melissa, This our latest episode, the one that we posted yesterday, we had Melissa back on the show. Yeah. And uh, she she posted an article on her Facebook page, which was kind of interesting. It was written by uh, Dr. M uh, Milton Packer, um, a, a medical doctor, posted November 8th, 2017 on med medpagetoday.com. <clears throat> the interesting thing about this article is he... I'll just summarize it for you. He was asked to lecture at a local meeting. I don't know exactly where, where he, what state he's in. Um, so he went, and there were about um, 25 physicians in the room. Uh, the, the average age for the physician was, uh, he, he guessed, maybe above 70 years old. So it was, a, it was an older group of physicians. Above 70, you said? Above 70, yeah. And, and after the meeting, he found out that they were all retired. None of them were actively involved in patient care. So oh, yikes. He, yeah. <laughs> So he started to ask them questions. You know, why, why are you guys here? <clears throat> and they said, well, we work for insurance companies. And, <laughs> you know, we, we want to we know what the latest and the greatest is. And, and, and Dr. Uh, Packer is thinking, well, that's great. You know, they want to – I can convince them that they need to cover certain drugs that keep on getting denied. Um, <laughs> but the interesting thing was is that they were there to learn how to continue to deny claims. <laughs> yeah, nice. wow. yeah, and the, that's the name of the game to make a profit in the well, insurance industry. It's so interesting <laughs> because in later in the article, it says that their their main focus as um, medical insurance consultants, medical doctors that are insurance consultants, is that their whole goal is to deny claims in an effort to save the system. Like in their words, they're saying, you know, we, we have to save the healthcare system by forcing people to not use their insurance as often as, as people are. And they actually get paid bonuses every time they meet, um, every time they meet a certain denial percentage, you know? <laughs> so this Dr. Packer just gets frustrated and walks out of the room and he says that, you know, he, he was the, the lecturer, but th that day he was actually the student and it was very eye-opening to him to kind of find out how the, 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 the retired doctors uh, view medicine from the perspective of not being in the practice uh, submitting uh, claims for patient care. So anyway, what you guys do is pretty fascinating because I think I think more people in the industry need to pay attention to this issue. But I, I want to steer things in a different direction here. So you have a business called Dental Claim Support. Um, I have a ton of clients and I've, I've recommended to them that they should they should be working with a company that does this for a living because I've seen the benefits uh, I can yeah. name many, many big, big practices that most of the listeners know that use a third party to help with claim support. So, so give, give to me like sort of the, one of the biggest reasons why, or at least share with our listeners why it's important for them to consider an outside firm to handle claim support. In this case, I'll, I'll, dental claim support. Yeah. You know, the, a, a lot of people, and, and I would agree with uh, Milton Packer's statement that you know, you know, one hundred percent that that's what they're doing, and they're always trying to find ways to deny things. And the the and getting to your next point is that the dental office doesn't ever, you know, most of them don't ever follow up on those denials. So the insurance companies are winning. You know, they're they're yeah. beating the the dentist because 
the staff isn't following up on those claims and on those denials. So that's, again, the number one reason to outsource it to somebody that does this for a living, you know, because that's what we do on a daily basis. Uh, you know, and you guys have it down to a science. Exactly. And, you know, and I would say another point is don't wait too long. You know, don't wait till your insurance agent report is unattainable. You know, when we're, you know, we get new clients, we're having to write off timely filings left and right because they waited too long, you know. And, what, uh, what, what, what's too long? Give us an example of that. Well, most, I would say most dental plans have a one-year timely filing limit on the claim. Okay. Uh, so that means that if you haven't filed it and got it to them within that one-year time period, you're going to have to write that claim off. Uh, now, as you know, insurance companies are always changing, and I think it's Emeritus now has, I don't want to, you know. Yeah, anybody listening, uh, the there's a 90-day timing filing. It's Reliance Standard, Emeritus, and most Medicaid's throughout the United States. Most, yeah, most Medicaid's do have a 90-day timely filing period. So if you don't get that claim to them wow. within 90 days or, or follow up on it, you know, if you think you sent it to them, and you maybe sent it to the wrong person, you had some data entry problems, and that validation error didn't go through the your clearinghouse, it most likely didn't get to them within that 90-day period, and they're not going to pay on those claims. Have you read so that's the biggest thing. Yeah, sorry for cutting you off. Have, have you run into a situation where the, the office has been submitting, 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 and the insurance company says, we need this, we need that, we need this. The office already submitted that information. And then all, the next letter they get was, oh, you've... You, you've uh, You've missed the window to submit the claim, the timely filing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. That's ridiculous. You've seen that? Yes, we have. You know, that, and that was one of the reasons that Josh and I got started was because one of the first, very first offices that we got in, uh, you know, the doctor said, oh, we don't need you. My, my person here is doing a fantastic, you know, a fantastic job. And we said, okay, well, let's take a look because your numbers are, are not where they maybe need to be. And what we found was the person, you know, the doctor would check it on the first of the month, their insurance agent report. And the person would just refile the claim, and she would refile it five and six times at a time, you know, each. So every time the doctor would go to look, the day before, they would just refile the claim. So it would go off the insurance agent report. Uh, so what we found was they weren't actually doing anything to change the claim. You know, they were just refiling the same exact claim with the same errors every single time. Um, <laughs> so the insurance company is still going to just, they just nod it six times, you know, as opposed to getting the right information. Um, but, yeah, you know, the, the biggest thing with, with that um, – Ben is is getting an NEA and having the NEA number, the National Electronic Attachment number, so that when they say they don't have what they have, all you have to do is is give them that seven or eight digit number and they can pull that straight out of their system and say, oh, you know, and that happens all the time. But we never got what you sent. We never got what you sent in. You say, all right, check this NEA number. Oh, automatically they found it out of thin air in, in their system. So when they say they don't have it, most of the times they do. You just got to know how to get them around to find it. Yeah, I, I like that. <clears throat> I think yeah, I think you cool. kind of overlooked that even with um, some previous podcast episodes, how important that NEA number is. So thanks for hitting mm -hmm. on that. I totally agree. I've seen. Yeah, it. I've never heard that yeah. before. So, <laughs> and most Great. office managers, when we ask, we we kind of do a little orientation with them, and we say, "Are you using? You know, what clearinghouse are you using? And are you using NEA?" And when I get the, I don't know what NEA is. I'm, that kind of scares me that, that that they're handling the claims for that office, and they and they don't know about. Uh, sending claims electronically, or they don't know who their clearinghouse is. And, you know, that's the clearinghouse is the middleman that's getting you paid, or that you're sending your claims through that's dispersing those claims to the insurance company. So knowing the ins and outs of your clearinghouse and knowing how to use NEA are going to significantly increase your collections. Yeah, thanks for that explanation on um, on the NEAs. I think that's that's, that's very important. 
Um, what about secondary claims? Uh, excuse me, secondary insurance. How, how do you deal with that? What's your policy there or ideas? Uh, well, I mean, it, secondary insurance is it's more and more common in every single office now. You know, for a while, most people just had a primary plan, but you know, recently, it's more and more people are going to have dual insurance, and some people even have tertiary insurance, which is <laughs> pretty crazy when it comes down to it in the dental world. But I mean, you just have to stay on top of it. A lot of times you can get a little bit more reimbursement um, when you send it to secondary insurance. You always need to include the primary EOB whenever you're sending in a secondary claim. Um, every secondary claim, regardless of what primary paid, is going to make their own determination based off of the claim itself. Um, you always need to send in attachments. Uh, if it's a major service or any other service that needs attachments, send yeah. in with it. Um, but you do see how you do see more reimbursement. You know, it does help a patient out, uh, depending on you know what their premiums are and whatnot. All that can be broken down, but it does help out patients to have dual insurance. Uh, mainly when it comes to frequencies, um, you know, you can get that third cleaning in a year. You can get that third or even fourth cleaning or exam in a year because that's when your secondary insurance will pick it up. Primary is usually only going to pick up two of those in a given year. So that's when it does help. Um, and but one thing to understand about secondary insurance is they're not always just gonna one one of them pays fifty percent of the claim the other one pays the other fifty percent total in for the total amount paid they have what's called a non duplication clause um, and most insurances have this non duplication clause so uh, I know that um, when it when it comes to fee schedules being put in and um, insurances if you're participating with insurances one's gonna have a different fee associated with that procedure than the other. Sometimes, you know, one's just going to have, have a smaller fee. They're only going to pay, say, you know, on a crown, 50% um, of that fee. You know, so if you're sending in a $600 crown and Delta Dental is your primary, they're going to pay $300. Uh, if Guardian's your secondary and they have a lower fee, they might not even send you anything because Delta already sent $300. So if Guardian's fee was lower and they only pay, you know, $250, they already think that Delta's paid, or they know that Delta's paid more than what they would have already. It's kind of, it's difficult to explain on a phone call, but that being said, um, non-duplication is a big deal, and I think that's where there's a there's a misconception with uh, patients. They just think, oh, I've got dual insurance, it's all going to be paid, but it's that's not always the case, and it's up to the office um, to kind of, you know, patient educate, let these, let these patients know exactly um, what 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 their ins what their insurance constitutes and what they can expect from it. Yeah. So so basically, awesome. in your example there, fifty percent uh, so that six hundred dollar amount. The, the policy for Delta is fifty percent coverage. Um, let's say Delta pays two hundred, and Guardian's uh, policy also says fifty percent coverage. So what you're saying here is that Guardian will will likely default to their fee schedule. When they process their portion of that that six hundred dollar uh, bill, is that is that what you're saying? You got it. They're gonna they're only gonna base their coverage or their um, payment off their own fees. So so, so if they have a lower fee schedule, and Delta Dental's paid fifty percent, and Guardian has the same coverage at fifty percent, um, and Delta Dental's you know got a higher fee. Guardian might not send you anything because they're like, oh, you already received three hundred. We would have only paid two seventy five, so we're not sending you anything. Gotcha. That's the non-duplication So the key, yeah. the key. And then that's okay. where you come in. Everybody wants higher fees. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We'll 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 kick the insurance companies in the ass for you and get them a higher fee there. But <laughs> key, <laughs> key question here. So let's say that let's say Delta six hundred. Delta's in the primary position. They pay two hundred. 
Guardian pays zero because their crown allowed the amount is 400, you know? And so they think that the 200 that was paid was sufficient. You know, that, that, that covers their 50% portion. What, what, what does the office do? They, are they entitled to collect another hundred dollars extra on top of, you know, the other 300 in, in this case, 400 from the patient to balance bill it up to 600 or what? No, uh, by law, uh, you have to take, if you're in network with both of these insurance companies, you have to take the lower of the fee schedule. Gotcha. So, okay. That patient would get that extra $200 write-off to the $400 guardian fee. So that's when that you know additional insurance would actually help the patient. No, guardian's not making a payment, but there is going to be a write-off to $400 as opposed to the write-off only to $600 for Delta Dental. See, I thought I knew this, but I'm, I'm glad I'm talking to you because this just this reinforces the, um, the expertise. I mean, I, I'm in insurance every single day, but... I hear so many different things uh, from office managers and from uh, insurance companies as it pertains to the question that I just asked. It, in my opinion, I, I always thought that if you're in network and the insurance carrier chooses to use a lower fee schedule, well, their fee schedule, there's really not a whole lot you can do unless you negotiate that fee. So you've just completely um, answered a question that has been looming in my head for the last 10 years. You know, I probably had nice. the answer before, but... You know, th th this is the reason why, folks, you need to talk to people like uh, like uh, the dental claim support is simply because there's just so many things you think you know that are probably not 100% correct. So thank you, Josh yeah. and Dave, for, for sharing you got that. It. Yeah, so cool. So uh, I got a question for you guys. Uh, it sounds like you guys do a, a lot, you know, when it comes to service uh, for dental practices. Do you guys replace um, current staff members when a practice signs up with you guys? We honestly like to say that we don't. Um, now, the, the practice needs to have some semblance of a front desk. You need to be able to, to be patient-focused. You need to be able to enter in insurance. And, and again, we, like we said, data entry. Make sure, patient, make sure the patient flow works. But other than that, yeah, we pretty much handle everything else. You know, we're making sure those, that uh, claims get to the insurance. We're making sure they process. We also post payments, and we do your insurance agent report. That is what takes up the most time in an office. So, you know, what we always like to say is that, you know, we're here to take time, take that other time away from, from, from the office manager that's, in a sense, wearing too many hats. Yeah, they're spread way too thin. Doing too much. Uh, it, it's, it's really helped our, our, our main testimonials, and the good ones are people that kind of, they pretty much hit on why we started this. We have been in the office. I've been an office manager. I've also been in, in a centralized billing department. I know the the uh, the best of both worlds. And what happens is a lot of times that phone is ringing. That uh, patient is in front of you. You're presenting treatment to a patient. You're explaining insurance to a patient. You don't have the time necessarily to be calling on all these claims, not to mention when you're on hold for 30, 45 minutes to get something done. So that's where we come in, and it's also, again, done at an expert level, and it's done daily. And another thing that happens with an outsourced billing company such as us, we work when you're not there. Um, you know, oh, cool. if you've got Internet going on at your office, we're logged in and we're working. I mean, it's, it's just, that's just the way it works, and just because you're off doesn't mean the insurance company is closed. And we're able to call on claims. We're able to still collect money, post money, while you're away at vacation having a good old time. So... That's, that's another benefit uh, of what we do. And it's not just one person. When you go with dental claim support, you're going to have four or five different billers, billers on your account any given day. So Yeah, I, I like cool. that. You get a lot more support in my experience uh, using a yeah. company like yours. Key question about um, in-network versus out-of-network. So we have clients, many of them, 
that are exiting PPO participation. Likewise, they're, yeah, we have those too. They're going out of network. And what we see, like a good example is MetLife. To me, MetLife is one of the easier plans for, for offices to go out of network with. But we have a friend up in Pennsylvania. Uh, she dropped MetLife, and the claims are just crazy different. I mean, they're, they're not what we've, we usually see. For instance, one of the EOBs came back and says that the patient had a $25,000 annual maximum. Yeah. Um, the allowed amount on the cleaning didn't reflect what the office built. It was a completely different allowed amount. Uh, and then there were, and then the percentage coverage, of course, was based upon that allowed amount. And I've never really seen that with MetLife in the history of offices being out of network with MetLife. I'm, I'm sure you see these things from time to time as well. So, so, so when you have offices that you're working with that are transitioning out of network, do you see irregularities that could possibly be a mistake in how MetLife may be processing those EOBs? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make yeah. sense. And uh, these plans, they're all plan specific. It's not necessarily MetLife doing the wrong thing or processing the claim incorrectly. Um, again, a common thing that, that, that a lot of patients don't understand is they go, I have 100% coverage for my preventive work. But that's just 100% of that plan's allowable. So even if you're not network, <laughs> It's confusing. Yeah, MetLife could, you know, just take it this way. Their allowable is $60 for a cleaning. You're not in network. You charge $100 at your office. That patient's going to come out of pocket $40. But to them, they go, oh, well, I get 100% uh, coverage on preventive work, which is my cleaning. I shouldn't owe anything. And you go, no, they only pay off their own allowable fee. Does not matter if you're in network with them or not, or if you're, if you're not in network. They're still going to pay off their own fee. Now, again, again, it's plan specific. Some employers might purchase a better plan. They might pay a little bit more for the plan, and that's when MetLife might have a higher allowable based off of an out-of-network uh, fee, or if you send 100, they might pay 95. They might pay all 100. That's when it all depends on the zip code, where you are, um, you know, and that's, again, where you would come in more, and it's just one of those situations. So yeah. it's, <laughs> it, is, it is plan specific. Gotcha. Yeah, thanks, awesome. for, thanks for clarifying that. It's, it's just interesting to me that, uh, a, a practice in New York City <clears throat> dropping MetLife, and then a, a practice in Chico, California, dropping MetLife, and they can they can see two completely different things on how the claims are paid. Um, so, right. so the employer specific plans that are drawn is usually a result. I, I, I guess the the leading factor as to why the claims are different from state to state to state is what you're saying. Correct. Cool. You got it. Cool. Thanks for clarifying. Awesome. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, do you guys do you guys offer like consulting or training services for the practices, or do you guys do it all in house and don't? Do you help them educate, get educated? I guess we do. Uh, that's part of our little claim support aspect. You know, it's the posting cool. and insurance agent reports. And then we have a little claim support, um, and you know, we do we help out with that. Listen, if 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 we can help the office to understand how to put patients in the correct way and understand you know what needs to be done on their end it only makes our jobs easier too and it's peace of mind for the doctor they're collecting what they're producing you know they've got 100 percent collections everybody's happy we've seen these doctors implement bonus systems uh, create another operatory because they're doing so well we've had offices that have bought another practice and been like hey i'm so thank god you guys are here because now you all can just take over my billing at square one so it, it's, it is important. You know, we, we, we do need the front desk to, to be held accountable for certain things. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we work absolutely directly with the front desk. But 
if we do see that things aren't going on the right way, we definitely let the doctor know. I mean, this is the doctor's business. You know, let's 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 be honest about it. They they're they are business owners, um, and yep. you know, most dentists don't have a business degree. Therefore, they might need a little bit of you know extra hand when it comes to running the business. So they're they're going to need that help. Um, absolutely. Cool. Awesome. And, and I'm assuming you're all you're HIPAA compliant and all that. You know, in terms of uh, if an office wanted to reach out to you, you're you're good to go there as well. Um, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's all covered in contract and the whole nine yards. That's cool. number one. <clears throat> do you guys do you guys affiliate with that uh, with patients for instance um call on statements and things of that nature or if there's <clears throat> any you know any any type of patient communication involved do you, do you do any of that we don't ben and that's kind of you know we what we opened Probably up good. with was the insurance bulldog part you know they are an engine you know he, he can you know they handle the patient side our main focus is that insurance side so you know that's that's where we are experts and that's where we're going to come in and really hammer down and get get your aging report under control and get your system in, in line. So no, we um, and that's where we come in with the team with the with the front desk and you know train them on what they should be collecting up front, and how to collect that money from the patient. Yeah, uh, no, I think that's yeah. not, oh sorry Ben. No, no, I like that. I like that. I, so I, do I. And I yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, <laughs> sorry, dude. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I was going to say I think it's always important for the staff to maintain a good relationship with the patients, and 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 uh, the insurance companies are the ones that need to be uh, you know put in line and 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 uh, supported with a service like what you guys do. So I think it's awesome. Sorry, Ben. You can you can talk now. That was that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I was going to say I, I I like that too because there are some some groups that do um, patient communication. Yeah. And oftentimes what you're telling the patient and what, what the office ex, uh, doesn't know, it kind of causes conflict on their end Absolutely. Uh, in terms of not being on the same page. So I think that's pretty cool. That's a, that's a neat policy that you have there. Yeah. Cool. Well, you guys, this has been, this has been such an awesome episode, I think. Um, you guys, what are, what are some final thoughts you guys may have for our audience about, about your service and what, what you guys can do to help them? I don't know. I think one thing that we'd like to just kind of share is we've been there. We know that insurance can get you bogged down, but and insurance can be very intricate and it might only get more intricate as we go, but there are ways to beat insurance companies. And I think we just want people to know that there is light at the end of that, like insurance tunnel, so to speak. There are, you know, there are ways to, to, to combat what, what we deal with daily and we can help offices do that. And, you know, sometimes you look at an agent report and you're like, wow, there's no way, I, there's no way I can do this, but you know, sit down, grind it out, make it happen. And everybody ends up being happier. My biggest thing would, would be to tell all the dentists listening or and office managers to, to run your intern's agent report numbers, uh, run your over 30 day and then divide it by your zero day. And we want that number to be around 10 or 11%. You know, uh, when we when we get new clients, you know, they're at the sixty percent range. They're at eighty wow. percent range, uh, and we we you got to be in that 10 percent range over thirty days. So only ten percent of your claim should be over thirty days, and don't wait till they're you know over a year old to start calling on them. You know, because you're not going to get those paid. You got to get you got to get those claims paid, and you got to call on them to get to get them paid. So that'd be my my advice is is run your numbers, know your numbers. And uh, and don't wait too long. Yeah, you're the dentist. Take control of your practice. Cool. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're producing 1.5 and say net production of 1.2 due to some write-offs. 
don't be happy with just collecting a million dollars. Um, I mean, a million dollars on 1.2 is 83%. That's not a good rate. You're, you're, you're leaving $200,000 out there, and yeah, you're still collecting a million dollars. That's a lot of money, but you, know, you, you, can, you can do a lot better than that. You know, be willing to change. Uh, kind of take con control of the situation. Understand your own numbers. Cool. Yeah. Love it. Hey, two things real quick here, uh, Davey and Josh. Uh, can we share your contact information if anybody's interested in reaching out to you or want to learn more? Uh, sure. Our, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Our number is 912-355-6100, and our website is dentalclaimsupport.com. I can be reached at dclay, D as in Davey, C-L-A-Y, at dentalclaimsupport.com. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you, guys. And then yes, – so we will post that information in the show notes as we always do for our, for our guests. So if any of you are driving or li are listening and you're, you want more information, one nice thing about their website is that when you go to dentalclaimsupport.com, you can go to the filing tips and there's a bunch of great resources there. How to appeal a claim, protect your dental office from fraud. Uh, oh, the, nice. Uh, the benefits of outsource, uh, outsourcing your billing, uh, how to avoid delays and denials, things like that questions that we get on a daily basis that I think these two are better equipped to answer. And then the last thing, I, 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 this is just a, a, a fun request. Georgia, Georgia scores a touchdown. <laughs> they, 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 you know, it's, it's kickoff time, you know. They kick off I the ball. <laughs> can, can, can you give us your best Georgia Bulldog bark? <laughs> oh, man, I guess we kind of have to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that that was that nice. you, was that nice you, Josh, or was that you, Davey? It, it was, it was. Okay, so so we want one from we want one from both of you at the same time. You ready? <laughs> oh man, you're putting us on the spot. <laughs> Touchdown! I'll, I'll say go dogs. Go dogs! <laughs> ruff, 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 ruff. Go dogs. How's that? <laughs> 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 well, hey guys, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was fun and uh, so good. Yeah, well, we'd love to have you guys on again if you're interested in that. Um, but Absolutely. In, but in the meantime, we we want to highly recommend to our listeners to reach out to you both, and uh, uh, we hope that the Georgia Bulldogs have a great rest of 2018 and a great excuse me 17 <laughs> and a great 2018. But uh, thanks again, guys. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank yeah, you, thanks, ben guys. Jordan. We really appreciate it. Thanks a ton for having us. We really appreciate it. Thank you.